Hello, and welcome to the Sky U Podcast. I am U Street, your host for this particular week's edition. And with me today, I have Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy to be here, as always. And Andy, Gopher Guy 05. We gotta have somebody who actually lives in Minnesota on these things. Speaking of people who should be happy to be uh, in Minnesota, we're going to start with basketball. A uh, very quick note, our two seniors, Amir Coffey and Jordan Murphy, both found summer homes. Uh, Jordan Murphy will be playing with the hometown Minnesota Timberwolves. The other, perhaps more important, contract that got signed was Amir Coffey, who will be going to the Los Angeles Clippers. And Andy, why don't you explain why that's slightly more important? Well, the thing Coffee is, is one, it's an actual contract. It's not just a summer league contract. He actually has a contract. It's called a Schedule 10 contract with the Clippers, which basically is that we're going to sign you, and then we're going to figure out where you're actually going to go after after summer league. Um, so Coffee, if he blows up, could get a chance to be on the active roster in training camp and get an NBA deal. Uh, most likely he'll get a two-way contract, which basically will pay him so much when he's on the NBA roster and so much when he's playing with the Clippers D-League team, which I'm not actually sure which where the Clippers D-League team is, to, to be exact. But um, So most likely Amir Coffey will be playing with the LA Clippers D-League team, or I guess it's now the G-League, sorry about that, Gatorade, don't want to you know offend a sponsor that's not actually sponsoring us. Um, well, like HelloFresh, Gatorade is soon to be a sponsor of this guy you podcast. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, so most likely, Coffee will be playing in 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 the minor league. Um, the highlight of that being is that he'll be playing most likely in the United States uh, and have a shot if he can earn his way up to the uh, full on NBA roster. Whereas Jordan Murphy, unless he absolutely blows up in the summer league, most likely will end up getting cut and will hook on uh, Trevor Mbakwe style with uh, a team somewhere in Europe. Um, which you can make a very good living playing in Europe, but it's a long way from playing in Europe to having any shot at the NBA, whereas you know you hear at least five or ten people every year that claw their way up through the G League and, and into the NBA. So uh, Amir Coffey will be you know, a, a portion of the way there. He has a lot of work to go, but um, he at least uh, can see the potential of an NBA deal on the horizon. Other people who are banking on potential right now are P.J. Fleck and his associated staff because they have signed a boatload of recruits, well, verbally committed, a boatload of recruits. They won't sign, of course, until the end of December. Uh, Two consequences of this occurring. Uh, The first one was that the Daily Gophers webpage was unusable because apparently when we removed the Fleck or picture, we need to replace it with a very obnoxious GIF. But the second is that there are a lot of potential new recruits. And Blake, since you are uh, both our writer to explain about recruits, but also the cause of the Daily Gophers usability crisis, how would you give a general overview of what we've seen in recruiting the last month? Uh, you know, usability aside, we've gotten you know very positive feedback about the GIF. So I think moving forward, that's, that's something that's going to be a positive for the website, usability aside. Um, as far as the commitments... So about two weeks ago, I think they had a total of eight verbal commitments, and they got 13 over the last two weeks, which brings them up to 21. So you could say Flex been a bit of a busy bee. Um, some of the highlights, I think two of them were actually from overseas, which is new. One, I think, is a German defensive end, and I think a DB from the Netherlands. So, uh, you know, I guess Fleck looking for talent wherever he can find it. Uh, I know they're up to, I think, six defensive backs in this class now. 
Um, you know, like last year, I think they took six or seven defensive linemen. The, looks like they're kind of emphasizing the defensive back area. Specifically, I think the safety position where they think they have three commits right now. Um, and that's been a position outside of Antoine Winfield that's been pretty shaky depth-wise. So that's good good to see. Otherwise, just mostly a, kind of a solid group, but not a lot of huge names. I think the, probably the most recent um, commitment, Itavion Brown, um, athlete uh, out of, uh, I think, Ohio. He's going to be a defensive end or a linebacker. Um, he's got just a boatload of uh, Power 5 offers. So it's good, shaping up to be kind of an intriguing, maybe not if unspectacular class, but certainly been um, an exciting couple weeks. One of the many principles that we hold is that caring about recruiting itself is a little bit creepy. And if you're talking about me personally, change a little to a lot creepy. However, one of the things that I think is also fair is that recruiting is something that not only brings in a lot of viewers, but to get sort of briefly meta, it's an interesting future look at the pipeline of a team. It also allows you to think about the potential of a team. And so I'm curious, uh, since we're in the off season right now, for Andy initially, how do you uh, sort of live by the mantra that recruiting as a whole business is creepy, but also indulge in the necessary evil of col- of covering college recruiting, not just in the football context, but also you, of course, cover our hockey recruiting, which we'll touch on a little bit later in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least for me, it, it's just so ingrained into becoming such a, a bigger part of the public, you know, scheme as you're looking at a college program. Um that it, it, it I guess to me it it doesn't seem as creepy anymore, even though I mean there definitely are times where it is. But um I don't know, maybe maybe I just have an easier time than some to overlook that aspect and I just look at it more from a semi factual basis and looking at it, which now granted, I mean you can argue that a lot of the stuff we're getting isn't factual either, but it's you know, we we take it as fact whether it is or not. So um but I agree, yeah, it, it, it can be interesting at times to try and, and not feel creepy looking into the lives of 16, 17-year-old kids to try and, and decipher them. And I think at least in, in our case, we do a fairly good job of keeping a relative even keel and, and not getting you know too high or too low, depending upon what happens, unlike some members of our fan base and definitely other fan bases who basically threaten to, you know, find a kid and run over his dog if he picks one school over over their school so um but yeah it's 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 a good question in this day and age and and it's something that i think everybody should at least think about um though let's be honest most rational people don't blake since you're heavily invested in digging into the lives of teenagers how do you rationalize this problem uh, for me, I guess the the baseline that I use is you know don't get attached until they sign on the dotted line. I mean, these are kids that are saying right now they want to go to Minnesota, but they you know they have a whole rest of the year um, to change their minds. And if they do change their minds, yeah, that's fine. Um, we'll report when they do commit. Um, just is something that we by necessity have to cover. But I just you know I don't get worked up about you know decommits things like that. Maybe in-state Minnesota kids, it's disappointing to see them go elsewhere. But I mean these are eighteen-year-olds making the best decisions for themselves. Um, I don't I don't put together you know wish lists of who I want in a recruiting class. I think it's it's, it's certainly interesting to follow because um, like you said, these are the lifeblood um, of the program. It's just interesting to see who's going to eventually represent this program on the field. Um, but yeah, I just don't get too invested until, you know, they they actually sign in December and then you can kind of start thinking, you know, how do they fit into this program? What are their, what's their potential? 
Um, but yeah, I think it's just something that, like Andy said, we, we try to keep an even keel and just um, report on what happens. Just yeah, but just don't get too worked about it. Uh, worked up about it at all because again, these are you know 70, 17, 18 year olds trying to make a decision, and um, you know social media has just gotten I think unhealthy to a degree, um, and we try not to contribute to that too much. I think the more broad question that I also find interesting, separating the caring is creepy, but so uh, assuming that for the moment that you're interested in recruiting, what aspect of the recruiting process, so a recruit verbally commits or depending on when we are in the cycle, a recruit actually signs, uh, what grabs your attention the most in terms of, I think this is going to be a good prospect? And so uh, we might think the number of Power 5 offers they get, maybe the stars they receive, composite ratings. Andy, for you, when you're sort of evaluating recruits, since you're not spending hours and hours trawling their various huddle pages and Twitter, what for you is kind of the metric that sticks out? Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a combination of you look at their stars, but you look at their offer list as well. Uh, I mean, I think you know, everybody wants the Gophers to be concentrating on four- and five-star recruits, which is better than anybody ever has, and everybody hopes that P.J. Fleck will get us to that point or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think he's also shown, at least in his first year or two, that they're, they're trying to take diamonds in the rough that they see in live-action camps and, and, and coach them up. Um, you know, some of that may mean that we get an unheralded guy that potentially blows up later in the year, Rashad Bateman being a great example of that, where he didn't really have any offers at all, FBS-wise, when, when he committed to Minnesota, and all of a sudden come, you know, December, we're trying to hold off Georgia and, and schools like that for him. Uh, then again, you get some of these players, um, you know, a, a Daniel Falalele being an example. Now the question is how many offers were still good and things like that. But you're legitimately competing with Alabama and Florida and Georgia and teams like that for a player. And I think that gets the fan base obviously a bit more excited when you see a significant offer list and, and they're picking Minnesota legitimately over these schools. Um, but, but it's a fine line between a little from column A and a little from column B. And I guess, you know, there isn't really a, a tied and true... Um, feeling you can have about that, you know, you, you you'd like to get all guys who are getting offered by these big schools because then they obviously think that this kid has got some talent too. But uh, you know, pulling these diamonds out of the rough and pulling these kids that uh, you get in on first before they blow up is is a fun thing to do too. And and you hope that you can uh, hold off some of the big boys when they come calling in the end. Blake, what's your favorite thing to write about? Um, I think watching film is interesting. I think, uh, having to write about them forces me to watch their film and kind of figure, figure out what, what stands out about them. Um, so that's just an interesting experience to me. It kind of get, gives you a little glimpse of what maybe their potential is. And then I don't probably, I don't have the same, I don't pretend to have the same eval skills as the, you know, the coaching staff. So I don't know what they see, but, um, to me, it's just interesting to see, you know, what they look like at the high school level. But, you know, I also pay attention to, like Andy said, the power five scholarship offers, um, because I, I, I don't know that there's a coach staff in the country that's that good that's going to find, you know, 25 diamonds in the rough that no one else in the country can find, especially in today's day and age where, um, you know, recruiting internet recruiting services are, are a boon and, you know, they're offering more ratings than ever before. Um, I will admit to when I, f- I first started paying attention to recruiting when, you know, Tim Brewster was hired because that was, that was the big sell was usually this elite recruiter. Um, and you know, for back then that was kind of the early days of recruiting services. I wouldn't say they're 
accuracy was that great. And as we learned in his tenure that, you know, stars aren't everything. Um, and you then kind of enter the Jerry Kill area where he wasn't the most prolific recruiter, but he had better on-field results than Brewster. So um, it's just, yeah, it's just an interesting interesting thing because I think recruiting services are just not an exact science and that that's what people want is an exact science. You know, they look at these ratings like, you know, 0.8755 as like gospel, but what is what do those numbers even really mean? Um, I just, I look at stars as more as like just general, like suggested guidelines, maybe like if a kid's a five star, he's probably pretty good. I mean, it's hard to miss on those. I think it's when you get in like the four and three stars where there's just a little more variability, but, um, I just think you trust your own eyes, you know, watch their film and also, you know, who else is looking at these kids in terms of power five programs, but it's just interesting because Minnesota is in a weird spot. They're a power five school, but not, you know, a helmet school by any means a blue blood, um, so I don't, they're not necessarily going to compete for those four and five star guys. So it's just a little more uncertain, um, recruiting ground, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I look at. About the only aspect of this conversation that I am thrilled to talk about, which perhaps a few other people are, is one of the things that has always struck me as very strange from the rating recruiting services standpoint is that every single thing is a star rating without any uncertainty. And by that I mean that if you were to go on the 24-7 composite, which admittedly is some kind of weighted average of the various services that are in it, but even if you were to go into an individual rating service, and we'll say 24-7 because we tend to use them the most and they're seemingly to be the most credible of the various services that still exist, they'll give a rating for a prospect that's you know 89 or 87 or 95. And one problem to me about that is that in some sense people are looking at ratings as a proxy for future potentials as you mentioned if you have a five-star recruit the assumption is that person will be good in college no one really cares that much that that recruit is good now it's that that recruit will be good in college and potentially very good in the pros as well and often when correlations are made between recruiting and winning usually what that correlation is actually saying is it turns out if you have good players you tend to win more than teams that have less good players and we're going to use these stars as a proxy for that one challenge of that though is that those are all just single numbers it's someone's evaluative ranking usually once maybe twice they'll look at film as you move further down the recruiting pool so the five-star recruit who's you know going to win whatever the elite camp is going to be or is hands down this is the next orlando pace or larry allen sort of person hundreds of people have looked at that person and they've looked at that person multiple times. So not just rating services, but obviously college, colleges themselves, colleges recruiting evaluators, the number of scholarships they're getting. So you have that kind of measure. As you move down to a four or a three star, the number of times that you're going to see a kid is just substantially less. You've got a, a lot more people that are being evaluated. It's one of the criticisms of sort of comparing between years of the ratings agencies is that the recruits in 2014 are not on the same scale necessarily as the recruits in 2017, which means that you might see growth or decrease in recruiting ranks from a year-on-year basis, but that doesn't actually tell you anything because you're not using the same denominator. The other problem, though, is that and I think P.J. Fleck is attempting to leverage this to his benefit, is that P.J. Fleck and his staff believe, based on what I've read on our blog, that they've got a lot of recruits who are underrated, 
They should be much higher than the recruiting services are giving them. Now, clearly some of this is marketing because if they were getting a lot of four and five star recruits, I somewhat doubt that would be the mantra that they would go in with. But if we take that argument at face value, one of the things that I really wish would happen is that it wasn't like this recruit is an 88, whatever that means. It is this recruit is an 88 and it could be as low as an 83 or as high as a 96. Because capping some level of uncertainty would probably sell fewer subscriptions, but would be at least a more honest assessment about a future prediction, which always, always, always has errors. If you are, uh, Andy though, if you are looking at PJ Flex's tenure as a recruiting, when he came in, one of the things he mentioned is that he was going to be fighting with the big programs and beating out the big programs eventually for recruits. Thus far, he's had occasional successes, but those have been, as you mentioned with Rashad Bateman, someone who was very under the radar for a very long time as opposed to a constant battle with a major program. Uh, do you believe, given the expectations that PJ Flex set out for himself and the program, that he has satisfied or been disappointing on the recruiting front? You know, I, I think for the, the main argument of that is he, you know, he, he obviously is a very confident person. Um, and so he probably thought he could come in here and compete with the big boys right away. And he, he's, he's now realizing that it's gonna take a bit more time. Do I think he has the potential to get Minnesota there? Yes, yes I do. But I think it's definitely going to still take another year or two. I mean, he, he may sell Minnesota as this great place, but when you're coming off of a 5-7 and seven season, um, that, that hurts. So if we can continue to improve, you know, we went from 5-7 and seven to, you know, what are we, 7-6 and six last year, if we can get up to 8 wins this year, continue to see that growth, then I think you're going to be able to see him hopefully start to recruit at, at a level that he wanted to and was the stated goal, and, and obviously he has not hit yet. Um, so I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a, I'll still give him an incomplete. <coughs> he came in brash, and, and he has not lived up to those expectations, that's for sure. Um, but I think it's just taking some time for the realism to set in, and, and we all know PJ's not one to admit that that's the case, but that's the case, I think. So um, I, I think, give it another two or three seasons of, of general success, that he may be able to put Minnesota on that level. But yeah, we are definitely in, in year three of, of PJ Fleck recruiting, not there at the current moment in time. Blake, uh, one of the quotes that sort of came on this and sort of taking Andy's point there and kind of ex extending it is that P.J. Fleck in some sense seems to have recognized that he needs to at least manage expectations for some portion of the fan base or some portion of the media. And so one of the more recent things was suggesting that Minnesota is a developmental program. So they bring in players and they develop them to become NFL draft picks. What do you make of this quote, uh, particularly if one was perhaps not being tremendously kind? Uh, to use a favorite word of a former coach of ours. Uh, that sounds an awful lot like the Jerry Kill mantra, which was to take very low-rated recruits and coach them up, and recruiting itself didn't matter very much. You know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about this quote recently and just, like, P.J. Flex recruiting in general, and I've, I've really kind of wondered if, like, the perception of his expectations was something that we projected onto him or something that he said himself. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's talked specifically about recruiting at a high level, but I actually went back to his um, opening press conference when he was hired to see like exactly what he said because I knew he said a lot about recruiting. And he really didn't talk much about like, you know, top 25 recruiting class, you know, four or five star guys, never said anything like that. Um, the big thing that he, that he kind of honed in on was, you know, locking down the state of Minnesota 
and keeping that talent here, which uh, he really hasn't yeah, hasn't done, to be honest with you, especially the top-tier talent like, you know, the Quinn Carrolls, the Bryce Benharts, they've all gone elsewhere. Um, and that, did that, I don't know if I really care that much about keeping the Minnesota talent home, if he's finding that kind of caliber of talent elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, just the idea of Minnesota as a developmental program, I think, yeah, just feels to a lot of people like a walk back, but I don't, it's, again, like, a, I don't know if that's the result of our expectations or the, the level that he's set. Um, I do think that, you know, when he came into Minnesota, he had, um, you know, the top Mac recruiting class every year at Western Michigan, and he came with, you know, his reputation as a, as a great recruiter. Um, so I just I just don't – it's hard for me to kind of distinguish between is this something that we've kind of brought up on ourselves and set the bar there as he done it himself. Um, but I, I do – to a degree, think that he it is sort of a walk back because he talked about bringing you know the top talent in the country before. Um, I do think it's more of a real, realistic approach because Minnesota, like I said, kind of occupies that weird middle ground where they're a power five school, but not a blue blood or a blue chip school. Um, so I guess I, I think it is him. Maybe like Andy said, he kind of came in you know fully cocked, ready, ready to you know take the country by storm, and that's not not hasn't really happened yet. But I just think yeah, he's taking a more Realistic approach, maybe from a PR standpoint, um, to kind of stabilize expectations. But I do think, um, given a couple more seasons, and if they do, you know, keep progress linear and keep winning, um, that this will eventually sort itself out naturally. But uh, it's an interesting quote. I'm sure it's not going to satisfy a lot of the people that are dissatisfied with, you know, the way the last couple of classes have, you know, panned out in terms of recruiting rankings. But uh, I don't fault him for for saying it. You've heard it here first, given that Blake has suggested that PJ will be experiencing linear growth. The Gophers will be the national champions in about three years. So take that for your developmental program mantra. I've always found the notion that any program is going to claim that it is or isn't a developmental program to be a bit strange when you are a minor league. Obviously, all of you are development programs. It tends to be easier to develop the people that are really good and a little bit harder to develop the people that are not very good. The other bit that I think, especially coming over from Western Michigan especially, was I think a lot of the knockoff on P.J. Fleck when he came over was that he was going to have this problem recruiting because all he did and the reason why he challenged winning at Minnesota is he had this problem recruiting and what he did at Western Michigan was just got better players than everyone else. This year, I think year three and especially uh, year four, because it'll be entirely his kids and his recruits at that point, will actually, I think, really show how good this staff is at coaching. And that to me, I think, is is a sort of fascinating future storyline that is recruiting adjacent, but in terms of things I care about, perhaps more important. Uh, Andy, there are, in fact, other sports besides football that also have recruits. Uh, and in the NHL, the recruiting system is substantially more civilized in that people can get paid right out of college to go play. Uh, the Govers had some people drafted. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, it, it's not quite as, as cutthroat, but it, in some ways it is. Um, we can talk about the, the NHL uh, or the NCAA recruitment process at a later date. But yeah, the uh, the NHL draft was last weekend, and uh, we had seven current or former Gophers who ended up getting selected. Uh, the highlight of that being uh, Ryan Johnson, defenseman, uh, who will be coming in playing his freshman year this year, uh, got drafted in the first round, number 31st overall by the Buffalo Sabres. Um, Johnson 
if uh, the name sounds familiar, is the son of former Gopher Craig Johnson, who played in the early 90s. Uh, and he was originally uh, a Minnesota native, uh, went to Hill Murray. Um, so it's good having a legacy come in and, and uh, get drafted highly. It's the Gophers' 21st overall first-round draft pick in the history of the NHL draft. So that was nice. Um, the Gophers saw uh, a second player go in the second round, uh, another incoming defensive freshman, uh, Jackson Lacombe. He's from... Um, Bloomington, I believe, played at Shattuck St. Mary's in high school. Uh, he was taken with a 39th overall pick by the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he also will be a freshman this year for the Gophers. Um, and a couple other freshmen coming in. Um, Tried trying to pull the names here. Uh, another defenseman, Mike Coster from Chaska. He was taken in the fifth round with the 146th selection by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Bryce Bradzinski, who was Mr. Hockey in Minnesota last year, he'll be a freshman this fall for the Gophers. He was taken in the seventh round by the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, one current Gopher, Ben Brinkman, who played his freshman year last year, uh, the Edina native, was taken in the sixth round by the Dallas Stars. And then two other future Gophers who the Gophers can't technically talk about yet because they haven't signed their letters of intent. But... Um, Aaron Huglin from Roseau was taken by the Buffalo Sabres in the fourth round. He's a forward. And then Rhett Picklet, Pitlick out of Chaska, who would be Rem Pitlick's brother and also the son of former Gopher Lance Pitlick. Uh, he was taken in the fifth round by the Montreal Canadiens. Both Pitlick and Huglin will be playing in the USHL this next season, so we won't see them in a Gopher uniform until 2021 at the earliest. But um, it's nice to see the Gophers getting seven players selected um you know they've they've had they've had a decent number of players selected in the nhl draft in the last few years uh, but the seven and one year the fourth most in program history um behind the nine in 2007 and then eight three twice in uh, 2006 and 2000 so uh bob motzko is getting some good players especially having three incoming freshman defensemen who are getting drafted trying to improve the gophers defensive core and uh, hopefully this team, if they can get some decent goaltending from uh, a couple of freshmen and a transfer, can uh, step up and have a little bit better year here than they've had the last couple. But uh, the talent is getting into the pipeline. It's now just getting it into the program and getting adapted to the college game, and hopefully uh, we'll see good things happening here in the fall. So given that we had yet another draft pick, and unlike the football team, the hockey team very much is the blue blood program and should certainly recruit as such do you see Motsko in terms of the talent that he's looking at that's getting drafted to be a similar kind of talent that don lucia would have recruited or are these sort of different types of players who obviously you can have multiple ways of getting to the professional level um, but maybe Motsko is playing maybe a grittier style since i think that was one of the things he wanted to instill when he returned as coach yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see as we go on. Obviously, uh, most of these guys who, who, who got drafted this week had um, either had been started recruited by a Lucia or had already committed under Lucia. Uh, Moscow got a couple of the guys, Brodzinski and, and Johnson being the, the two biggest names to, uh, to commit to him uh, in his first year as coach. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Lucia's had plenty of high-drafted talent before. As we said, you know, this is the fourth-ranked year and, and the, the last three years that the most were 07, 06, and 2000. Um, you'll also notice that drafted talent doesn't always mean the best. Uh, the Gophers had eight players drafted in 06, nine players in 07, 
and the Gophers had a couple of se- worst seasons in memory in like the 2009-2010 uh, years. So, um, drafting drafted players doesn't always, you know, show up on the ice. Um, but it will be interesting to see. You know, Matsko is known for taking a little bit of more of a, a, a grittier kid, but even as St. Cloud kids, he had he had several uh, high draft picks taken when he was at St. Cloud coaching, and they've turned out to be pretty serviceable NHL and AHL players. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll have to see as time goes on, but um, it, it, it will be interesting to see what type of, of players he gets uh, and whether they're drafted. I mean, the other thing about the NHL draft is, is you know, Honestly, once you're drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, it, it's kind of a flyer. Um, you know, a lot of the kids that really end up making it in the NHL are the ones you'll see going in the top couple of rounds. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see on the ice, too. You know, the problem the problem that Lucia had is we had a lot of those really top-drafted kids, and then they only stuck around for a year or two. Uh, you know, Phil Kessel was a one-year prospect. Eric Johnson was a one-year prospect things like that so when you've got the guys who can stick around for multiple years then you can build a program whereas you know it'll be interesting to see with wisconsin for example uh they had two of their players go in the top 15 of the draft alex turcott and cole caulfield both played with the u.s under 18 team both will be freshmen for the badgers this year but they'll probably get one year at most before being a top 15 pick their nhl teams are going to want them to to join their teams rather than stay in the college game so it, it's you know it's a it's a philosophy of finding players and trying to keep the ones you can keep around for two three four years versus the ones you know that will be one and done uh, and you try and just make the best of that one and done you know we've seen that in in the NBA game or in the NCAA basketball game where you've got your Kentucky who's who's really good at the one and done you know even Duke lately has been on the one and done train um, and, and they've competed at the national level but neither one of them since that time frame has has cracked and won a national title so um, it shall be interesting to see going forward here in the next few years how that all shapes out both uh, in the pro ranks and in the college ranks Absolutely. Well, on this note, we are pleased that you are joined us this week and hope, much like recruiting, that you will join us in the future where we will further increase our potential. And with that, uh, Sky Yuma, row the boat, go Gophers! <laughs>